I'm Lisa Anita Wagner. And I am Lisa McEwen. And together we are She's Gotta Have It! Exclamation mark. Hello and welcome to uh, episode four, four of She's, She's Gotta, Gotta Have, Have It! Exclamation mark. We, uh, we are back to our recording schedule after a few weeks hiatus. Hiatus. In which there were, um, I, Lisa McEwen, took a few trips, uh, one to New York City to have a meeting with my supervisor and one to Fredericton to go to a wedding. And then there was the Fringe Festival. Yes, and I had a uh, commissioned piece in the French Festival, which is a new experience for me. We did a um, performance that was also a social experiment, and it uh, was really successful. So, yeah, so it was, uh, we were away for some pretty cool reasons, yeah. and now we are back. Yep, and I was critiquing the French Festival, which is one of my side hustles. Uh, I, in my totally unbiased opinion, your commissioned piece was totally excellent. Oh, so. wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> Shucks. <laughs> Yeah, we got yeah. some people writing uh, afterwards, and I always feel that means that really means something if someone bothered to go and sit down and write. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. Um, so let's dive into our next segment called uh, "What We Want." So, what do you want? <sighs> right now, I want to further slow down. So I can really enjoy how kind of cool my life is right now. <laughs> I feel like I did have a little physical flare up again and stuff felt a little bit hard. So now I feel like I do have like this delicious, not fully off as I got, I'm doing another performance, like stuff still happens, but roughly until like real performances start again in September, I kind of have six weeks ish off ish. So that feels really delicious. I haven't had that in a while. Um, and I want to slow down to really enjoy it and and spend more time in my yard, which is being renovated right now. But in a couple of weeks, it's going to be really excellent with wood instead of plastic siding. And that's going to just be, yeah, really wonderful to hang out in. Amazing. And what I want, other than this piece of chocolate in front of me, <laughs> which is maybe, I think, also what I wanted last time, <laughs> just to give our listeners a, an idea of what... Friendship with me is like involves a lot of eating chocolate, but um, and meat, thankfully. <laughs> yes. Sorry, vegans. Sorry, vegans, vegetarians. Uh, um, but I also really want to Marie Kondo my apartment. I am so excited for this. I have reached a stage in my adult life where I am ready to just, uh, as cheesy as it sounds, have like a more mindful relationship to my. Uh, belongings because I think Marie Kondo gets lumped in with minimalists uh, but she's not really a minimalist she's more just somebody who's like just be thoughtful about what you want and do you really want it yeah um, and if so why and just maybe reflect on that um, and I know a lot of people uh, delight in making a lot of fun of her but I just find after watching her Netflix show she is so delightful delightful she is <laughs> Uh, she just wants to help people make their homes as great as they can be. So I'm excited for that. And I, because of all my traveling, I've been unable to really get down to having time for this. And I finally, as of this week, the next six or seven weeks of my life, 
uh, are also kind of hopefully going to be uh, a little bit more routine based. And as much as this makes me sound like an old lady, I am so excited to just have a routine for a few weeks mm. because I think my stress levels require that. So, yeah. yeah. Yay to looking out for ourselves. Yay! Slower. Slow is the new fast. Let's say it a lot. <laughs> Slow is the new fast. Yeah. Slow and steady wins the race. Yes. All right. I think that that's it for what we want. Um, shall we dive in now to opening opening thoughts, initial thoughts about what this episode was? I love Dick. Episode four. No, three. three. Yeah, that's right. The Amazon description of episodes three scenes from a marriage. Silver demands Chris undo the damage she's done, though it may be too late. Chris's letters bring Devin and Toby together. Determined to clear the air, Chris and Silver devise a plan. Do you have any initial thoughts you want to jump into? I guess the first thing that comes to mind in this episode, it's the first time we see Dick out of sorts. Yeah. <laughs> um when he is reading the letters, and that's what they refer to as what um, Chris had brought over to him. I forgot what the wording was. The, that you I think just the said. damage she's the, done. The was... damage she has done. That she had delivered the letters, and they had gotten brought to Dick's ranch. So Dick had read them. I think, yeah, what just stuck out the most up until then, he just always had been, like, owning every situation and really calm and strutting around. And then as he's reading these letters, all of a sudden he's like, his hands weren't quite shaking, but he's rolling the cigarette and he seemed so out of sorts. So that's just what was interesting to me of what, of everything, what could make Dick out of sorts. Yeah. The perplexed kind of tentative way he approaches these letters and the way they seem to kind of suck him in is I think really fascinating and the way that he's uh, he starts to like roll the cigarette and the music that's playing in the background, and which is um, extremely kind of like sensual, yeah. Um, and the the whiskey that he's drinking, I think, uh, and just the kind of like the uh, Kevin Bacon is so good in this role because yeah. he's not. It could be so easily, I think cliched or overacted and the way that he is in this scene is like one example of I think what a great actor he is because there isn't a particular emotion on his face it's just like he's being kind of sucked in by his own like I don't know fascination slash maybe horror slash kind of delight like it's there's obviously like some intense reaction he's having. I just, there's something with the look on his face that I just love. I love watching it. I love watching what his initial reaction is. Absolutely. And I do think, I do think that's a testament to the filmmaking and to him as an actor, but yeah, it just seems like he's feeling so much like he doesn't even know what it is or what to do. And he kind of likes it and it's kind of too much. And then, yeah, and then he literally throws a signal and just goes drinking. <laughs> it's, it is just really interesting what, what what derails Dick. Uh, and then also at near, near the end of the episode when he's like, we've got to get rid of the Holocaust wife. So again, putting it on someone else that something else has to happen mm -hmm. so that he's not confused and fragile anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kevin Bacon in this 
in this episode, but what we do see of him, I think, is, like, distinctly significant. Um, and even the way he leaves the letters, like, you know, he's kind of ticked, but he, like, just kind of just, like, throws them on the couch and then runs out for a drink. That really seems like probably the most vulnerable that we I mean, yeah. that we're ever going to see him because normally everything he's too cool for everything. Yeah. And I think after this spoilers, he starts to kind of like try really hard to regain his sense of control, but this is maybe a real insight um an early insight into just yeah, Dick a little bit unhinged and a little bit kind of like out of control. Yeah. In a way that is uh, a little bit delightful to watch. It is delightful. He's doing such a delightful job. I also just find him endlessly funny as Dick, just be just sitting there, just the cowboy Dick. Um, and yeah, and it is so interesting, and it's all because he is the music. He's the, he's not a chosen muse. It's not his own thing. And when it's on him, it just derails him completely. I really just find that very interesting. Because also, and this is, I think, like a little bit about the the female gaze and this is a thought I'm having right now as we speak which is that there's something very intense and maybe erotic but a little bit ex- a little bit extremely vulnerable about having someone's attention so it, so intensely focused mm-hmm. on you which is what women have all, all the, the time. time and which we've learned to internalize and kind of work with it but I think as um yeah as he's portraying this character that is such a dude to suddenly have that kind of um intense desire and attention directed at him is not something he's ever experienced before and silver either it makes silver into even more of a dick than it makes dick <laughs> but yeah it, it's true it does i think it does feel vulnerable and they're not used to it and it almost makes them mad that they can't just make it not exist mm-hmm even though there's something compelling about it. Like, that's, yeah. it's both disgusting and compelling. And that's part of what's so interesting about his reaction. And then the next thing that comes to mind is the awesome 12 tacos scene. Okay. Yes. So, um, let's talk about that taco scene. I wrote down some of the quotations um, from the group of people watching her eat the tacos. The 16 tacos that she insists on getting because she's so angry. It's taco porn. It's animalistic. She's like a raccoon digging through the garbage. And this is the woman behind Devin's big inspiration. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I was just drawn, because you don't see it very often, to a woman just like really pigging out. It's just an image I haven't seen very much. Mm -hmm. Um. And yeah, and then literally she was on display because all those artists that with saying the quotes you just mentioned were kind of lounging, um, watching her. But yeah, I guess as a, as an eater and someone who eats voraciously, especially if I really like something, I guess it was just refreshing to see that she really is so great. Like it's so like hard to watch her (laughs) and she's so vulnerable and she does it with such full gusto. And then that odd Chris Krausedness that's so appealing. Because this is also a thing, I think just in real life, women, um, from what I hear, because as you all know, listeners, I am happy to just consume large amounts of chocolate while I'm doing this podcast. Like, women are afraid to be seen eating. Yeah. That that's a real thing. 
I've had some female friends in the past, probably including you, just remark on how it's like very nice to be around someone else who is like also happy to indulge and isn't going to care about. Yeah, I uh, I have had my moments um, like her taco scene and um, and just the kind of like. Yeah, she doesn't care that she has food all over her face. She doesn't care if she looks pretty. She's just sitting there and she's just, like, consuming unapologetically. And she's a bit ticked, so it's just an interesting-looking yeah. thing. Yeah. And, um... There's a little bit of anger eating. Happening. Anger eating, but, yeah, unabashed. And then I do really enjoy the... the I find that the, those... Uh, I guess those are the art fellows and they sort of travel in a pack in this show. I find them hilarious. Like, I think they're very good too with they're very earnest and odd in their things. And it was a really perfect scene with them all watching and kind of almost like they're, yeah, like, you know, critiquing art, critiquing her eating and like her, wow, that's too, I think someone said something to like that. That's just too much food. Like, so it's like this play by play of watching her eat. um, And then she starts to stumble over wanting to buy or IOU for weed. She doesn't have any money. But there's something so ballsy about this. She's like, fucking eat it. Eat 16 tacos, whatever. Stumble over. Be like, can I have some free weed from the artists? <laughs> and then she, they gave her, they say no, give her the, a, a puff. And she leaves with the whole thing. There is something so, yeah. Like, I've never seen that. And I do think the first time I saw it, it was a bit confusing. I was like, what? But it just is, again, for something I haven't seen before, I find it delightful and unapologetic. Yeah. And what's funny about their perspective is that they're narrating the male case for us, right? Like that it is disgusting, that it is right. kind of like too much to to see because it's that it is not the kind of thing we see normally. But then what's amazing about her going over is that like it's like she's confronting the viewer. Yeah. Right? And then taking something, something from, from them. them. <laughs> Which Yeah. <laughs> and she doesn't offer the taco. She's like, no, I got a bag of taco here, but I'm not like, not that they'd want that anyway, but like, she's like, I'll just take that. Yeah. And yeah. And, and I'm not super sure if she was aware of how weird it was that she took it or that she just didn't care. It doesn't matter. Like, it's just, it's just really, yeah. Yeah. It's something I haven't seen a lot before. And then of course the taco scene leads into the taco marijuana dance, <laughs> yeah. but that's just more uh, the actress, Catherine Hahn, just, yeah, really leaning into the leaning into it. Yeah, yeah. And owning it. And then, and I do think too, this is sort of goes to our authenticity subject, but I do find her relationship with Sylvain looks and feels really real. Yeah. When you see, cause he's just really ticked when she, he comes in with the weed and she comes in with the weed and the taco offering to try to soothe him. Um, because he's so angry that he's been involved now and that the letters are out. So I guess he feels that same vulnerable as Dick does. He's all mm-hmm. nauseous and can't eat and sensitive and yeah. can't believe it. And then she comes in and you see in the relationship, you see, she's won him over a million times by doing like weird dances. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it looks like to me. She just pushes that weird dance to the nth degree but it's really compelling. I feel like also that, and then the next scene is they're getting high together and laughing so intensely. I see them, I see that kind of scene trying to happen a lot and it doesn't quite look like they've hit it, but it feels like those guys really were laughing their asses off as they were shooting it to me. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So you've seen that kind of scene in, in other, other things. Like I feel like you see things where where, see people that don't normally smoke weed and you see them smoke a joint Yeah. and then you see them trying to get to that hilarity place. And it's not always terrible, but I often be like, I don't, I don't fully buy it, but the way they were laughing so hard and not really barely breathing, I feel like it's a product of that kind of a set where they just really, I'm not saying they were high, but like they were just Mm. in that, maybe they were, (laughs) I always Mm. wonder about stuff like that. But, um, 
but it was just the authenticity of the two of them together mm-hmm. just really rang true. Which is which leads me into thinking, okay, so let's talk about let's talk about the way they depict intimacy. The way that she gives him that uh, aggressive hand job is, I think, how you described it upstairs. <laughs> there is something so real about that scene, and. Their sex so far has been really real, but this is the first time I think both of you and I feel, felt like deeply uncomfortable watching it. Yeah, I literally had my hand up, like shielding my eyes and I was looking around my hand. So it's so authentic and real that it feels like you're in between the two of them. Yeah, like her giving an angry hand job to him. And it's, it is so real. Because I do think you see hand job scenes like that too, but it's often more beautified. Like he looked like he was really getting an angry, angry hand job. And um, yeah, and it was... The, just, yeah, the look on his face and the way that his lip was curled yeah. in this way where, oh God, it looked so real. It feels so intimate, like you really shouldn't be there. <laughs> yeah. For me, it just continually cements that they really feel like a d- really authentic, dysfunctional couple mm-hmm. in a really real way. Because often mm-hmm. I feel like you, people are trying, going for those beats. It's just a reasonable facsimile. Yeah. And I think it's worth saying that hand job scene too, you see nothing. Like the closest thing is you just see like her opening the buckle of his pants. So literally the most like, you know what it is, but benign thing. And then it's all just extreme close ups on their faces. Um, so I think that's so interesting, too, that even though you see no actual sexual maneuvers, you feel like you do. Or at least I do feel like I do. Yeah, I agree. Um Yeah, it's really just for me, it was really just Silvera's face his facial expressions um and hers kind of like amplifies it but she's kind of giving a bit of a kind of neutral like not neutral expression but the kind of expression that you might find goes with giving an aggressive hand job but again it's like suddenly when the the gaze is turned on the man which we don't normally see and I think this is I mean part of our discomfort might come from the fact that we don't normally see men in that position in a kind of submissive position because normally it's like norm I guess in sex scenes it's often you see the late the woman doing more stuff and the yeah I never thought about that before I think the focus is usually on the woman's face yeah yeah powers of dialogue that's what this podcast is all about yeah so what did you think of the sex scene between Toby and Devin I'm going to take one step back even to start because I'm fascinated by the character of Toby and I'm fascinated by their relationship, Devin and Toby. And I guess what I just see is of all the folks that are sort of, could be said that they're emulating Dick. I feel like Toby is the closest. Her sexual maneuver, like the way that she kind of came in and seduced Devin had that, like, mm. you, literally she walked in, like, I think she knocked, but it was like, bo- like she kind of burst in in a tiny little dress, how she always has her crotch sort of out and open. <laughs> and and also the fact that she she broke the thing. She got yeah. Devin fired. She didn't know that until the moment. Um, but it was this weird kind of not taking responsibility, but then sort of being the hero, like, but, oh, daddy, like, I'll suck your cock. Like, it was just really interesting, the two of them. And then even after she found out she lost her job, she laughed and then got on her knees to blow, um, Devin, Devin, but did not, like, I guess a lot of other people would be like, geez, I'm sorry. Let me make a phone call. (laughs) 
so you can get your job back. Yeah. But it is interesting. Toby, we do find out later, but she is a very privileged white artist. Yeah. And Devin is a Mexican artist who is hired by the institute yeah. and gets fired. But so I'm fascinated by Toby because I, I do really love Toby's character and Toby's story. But I had noticed that Toby is... The, sort of the, similar to Dick and sort of similar to, um, and it's interesting. Remember I said in the first thing I was accused of being like a man, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like a traditional, but I feel like Toby is emulating that traditional arc. Yeah. Um, and interesting to me, cause again, I'd been sort of accused of that, but I think the privilege is just interesting and that there was not a nod, but an actual like pff, laugh that she lost her job. I don't know yeah. if you noticed that, but I noticed it this time especially, and I was like, interesting. Yeah, um, I did not notice that. Hmm. So yeah, I think that's what's the most interesting. So the way that this that sex scene also is intimate, I guess felt, at, le- at least on the surface, more like a traditional sex scene where it was... I guess why it's funny that I said that it feels like more of a traditional sex scene because it was like the the str- like not the aggressor but the one person coming in and kind of like taking ownership and then being like and then really quick again taking your apple eating it chucking it out there was just something that was so like not respectful of Devin's whole situation yeah um because it seemed on the surface to be like apology sex yeah but it actually felt more exploitative yes yeah and then, yeah, and then as the story goes on, that this story continues. But this is just the beginning of Devin, yeah, sort of, I feel like, presenting in similar ways to Dick, sort of like making someone sort of become obsessed with them, but then taking all this space and not... Toby, you mean? T- yes, okay. Toby, in terms of uh, yeah. the relationship, the, the, the walking in. But it's interesting, even back when they were still doing the reading, when Devin was reading from the letters... Um, and making that really intense eye contact, Toby like literally was sitting there with her legs like fully open. Like it's so interesting, like the how sexualized it is, and I'm very interested yeah. in. It and I really like it. I just see how it follows a, a certain pa- a very masculine kind of pattern where it's like, yeah, it's it's all there was a, a line. I think Dick is an unknowable cowboy, and something about that where you keep holding back, it makes you sort of unknowable. That's interesting too. Just to go back to a, a few episodes ago, where because Dick is really interested in lines, Toby's really interested in just the form of pornography and not the content. Yeah, and just to think about the way that they they're both resisting in their own ways any kind of like delving into feelings and yes. like a kind of because to contrast against like Dick's line is the way that uh, Chris Krause is like, you know, like kind of zigzaggy. There's like the, the snake kind of rock sculpture he makes at one point that he jogs next to, that he jogs next to because he's trying to figure out things that aren't just straight lines (laughs) because it makes him feel uncomfortable. So anyway, so I still haven't figured out exactly what I think about Toby's relation, Toby and Toby's character arc and her relationship to Devin, but I'm endlessly fascinated. Yeah, it's true. It does seem like makeup sex, even with the like, oh, daddy, I'm going to suck your big cock. Like it seems like that, but it is a bit of something else. And that scene is more actually sexual. Like you saw Devin's pants come off. You saw Toby's head go into Devin's crotch. So it's just interesting how the, just the different ways that they are shown. I don't even know, I have an opinion on that, but. Yeah. The, like that the Devin Toby scene is more explicit. Yeah. Than, it's more explicit. Yeah. It's sexual. more explicit, but it's less intimate. Yeah. Yeah. Than uh, the Chris Krause Silver scene, which is not at all explicit, but is oh, so emotionally intimate. Intimate. And the Devin... Um, Toby's scene also seemed a little bit more like traditional porn. Like it's like bang, bang here. Hello, apple oop toss. <laughs> you know, so yeah, so it was interesting. Um, and originally I think I thought that that sort of 
story was going to fit into the female gaze. Cause I guess I'm so interested. Yeah. in like Toby's story and how, yeah, where that fits in, in the female gaze, I suppose too, cause she is female, but it does feel well male yeah, or different. So- and I think this is maybe like a good time to note that like all men automatically have a, ma- a male gaze and not all women automatically have a female gaze. And obviously like there are genderqueer, non-binary people who yeah. can have one or the other, that these are just the sort of general um, impulses our society has where men are generally trained into this and women are generally trained into the other. Uh, and right now there isn't a kind of general trend for non-binary folks which is good because hopefully we can kind of challenge this binary but i think that in one of the videos we watched between bell hooks and jill soloway bell hooks very adamantly makes this point that it's not as though every single woman's perspective is like a perspective we need to pay attention to that the 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 female gaze but we might think of it as like a feminist gaze or, or a feminine gaze we don't have to associate it with a particular gender but it is about resisting the kind of traditional patriarchal gaze of objective like men being the aggressors and women being objectified and that just being the kind of black and white binary in which we find ourselves and so toby is a woman who is embodying this kind of slightly more traditional male gaze and male approach to sexuality whereas chris Krause is on the other side of things really starting to make the men in her life real uncomfortable by challenging it in all sorts of aggressive ways. Challenging their lines with her zigzags. Yeah. Um, Yeah, actually, just one thing that came to mind as you were saying that was the original, my original impulse, actually, for the title of our podcast, She's Gotta Have It, was because I actually think that Spike Lee did a quite a good example of what I understand to be the female gaze in 1986 with Mm -hmm. She's Gotta Have It. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I think that's... We will be discussing that film at a later date. At a later date. Podcast. Yeah, the, the namesake of our podcast. Minus the exclamation mark. Yeah, we had to add an exclamation mark. Shall we move on? Let's move on. All right, so let's talk about costumes, bodies, and makeup. And props. I guess the first thing that comes to mind is what I've already touched upon. The thing I find fascinating about Toby's character is a lot of the time she has extremely short skirts and she's very comfortable and will often have, yeah, her skirt kind of up over her underwear. Mm-hmm. Um, and deliberately in the scene we talked about earlier with Devin was staring Devin like right down the barrel of her eyes with her legs spread mm-hmm. um, and you could see her panties. And I'm very fascinated by it. It seems clearly very deliberate, comfortable. Like that is nice to see somebody that comfortable, mm-hmm. but it's also, I'm just it's a bit question marky for me. I'm curious about it. Yeah. I think this is a good, that's a good thing to kind of think about as the, this the episodes progress. Um, I just want to say again that I love Chris Krause's unkempt hair, no makeup kind of like, she's sort of very, like all over the place. She's got this, stripy fuzzy sweater that's got like all these really bright colors on it that I think is really evocative of just the kind of like the way she's a bit all over the place I also just want to talk about Dick's brick (laughs) yeah (laughs) that Toby breaks in her throes of a dance scene just that being symbolic of the the line that the lines that Dick is so attached to suddenly kind of starting to fragment but also the way that you're right how does he notice that it's broken in the dark? 
when he comes in to his studio drunk. I did think after I said that, I was like, I wonder if Paula, because she seems like that's the this the, the woman that runs the the gallery, might just be so on top of it that she actually let him know. So he might have come back already knowing, mm-hmm. and then went to look for it. Because yeah. yeah, or he somehow it's like so part of his this brick is part of his soul, <laughs> yeah. and somehow he could feel it. Either of them are kind of you know yeah. There's something so funny about how he does flip it into something else, and then looks so proud of himself and flourishes a new date on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just the kind of jagged pieces kind of being a bit more all over the place was uh, very satisfying. Um, what else? I'd be so curious what Dick thinks of Toby. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, if you'd ask him. Yeah. So curious. Too bad there's not that second episode. The second season, I mean. Oh, God. Yeah. Final thoughts. They talk about jealousy a couple of times in this episode, and I just kind of noticed that, and I'm not sure I see them discuss it so directly in other ones. And so when they've come back from Dick's house and they've realized that he's read the letters and they're fighting and they're shouting at each other, she's yelling at him that he's just being jealous, I think, or I think that that word comes up. And then he locks her out of the house. (laughs) That's when she goes on her taco spree. And then at the very end, uh, when they're getting high and lying on the couch, um, they're talking about the possibility of non-monogamy, which was just interesting to me because it sort of seemed to be, I don't know, Chris's way of maybe trying to talk about, trying to do or talk about something else. It didn't really seem like, let's sit down and have a conversation about maybe opening our marriage. It seemed more like an attempt to provoke him. I hear that. I feel like it was, yeah, it felt like it was sort of like trying to, yeah, get something out of him. Um, Actually, just remind me of, I think it was in the first episode, but remember she gets dressed and he's like, oh, you're fine. Let's go. And she was like devastated because all she wanted was something else. Mm -hmm. So I feel like in that too, that maybe that same thing was like provoked. Like she wanted to be like, wanted him to be really jealous or just something that felt more like that moment that she wanted as opposed to, I forgot how he actually answered. Yeah. That it seemed, did seem really authentic to me too. And he was like, you'd be there with a rolling pin. And he's like, no, I want to be there with a rolling pin. But I think that they were provoking each other, trying to feel more or feel more alive or something as opposed to really yeah like like it was an attempt to try and talk about what his feelings were about all of this stuff because his initial reaction is that he's vomiting in the bathroom yeah and then they're screaming at each other and it might have been a moment of trying to i don't know it was it still felt provocative so it didn't feel cathartic emotionally but it felt like she was getting an erotic charge out of really getting a kind of like full view of his jealousy maybe yeah yeah i'd say so Uh, which again you know goes back to the first episode where we were noticing how much it mattered to her the way that people saw her but it seems like there's a been a bit of a shift because it's not about fitting into a picture of what she should look like and what male desire already craves. It's about kind of finding something new and unexpected and kind of a little bit more grotesque. But, um, and her kind of discovering her desire within that, which is like new territory. Mm -hmm. And that actually leads 
me into my next point, which is one of the first um, statements Chris Krause, as the narrator of this um, episode says, is, uh, and it, it's obviously coming from a letter, one of the letters that she's written to Dick, and she's reading it out to us as the audience, which is, desire isn't lack, it's excess energy, it's claustrophobia inside your skin. And I was just wondering what you make of that if anything at all i feel like i liked it it also just seemed like a different approach like naming what she thought it was i feel like it just feels more active like she's saying this is my thing so i guess that's just my first thought how about you yeah no i think that that that's what that makes me think of it's also a contrast to this idea that you would only crave something because you're missing something or because you need, you're incomplete in some way. Um, and that seems to be the opposite of what she's saying, that she's got like sort of so much inside of her that she needs to kind of... Yeah, do something with it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think too, just even the wording, like it's not this, it's this. Like she's owning it. Yeah, and writing a new, a new narrative. Yeah. Of what uh, desire could be. That isn't about, yeah, being weak or passive or incomplete, but is about um, An going active to get something. maneuver, yeah, going to get something because you have a impulse for it. Yeah. I guess just sort of like how the Toby story reflects like what I'd been called, for example, that I was a woman that was acting like a man. I feel like this particular thing too, because I have a high sex drive and have pursued many folks over the years some people think that somehow like a lack like there's some problem with me like what you were traumatized that you need and I was like no I just really (laughs) enjoy a lot of right so it just reminded me of that same thing I'd be like it's not this it's this that's crazy so that is really interesting because no one would ever say that to a man no one would ever say you know what I mean (laughs) like because that is exactly what men are supposed Supposed to to be like yeah and they're pathologized if they don't constantly seek it out or if they're refusing sex and yeah, but for a woman, the, the idea must be that there's something broken about you. That you're trying to, like, fill yeah. with stuff. And, um, yeah, and I'm not saying, like, absolutely no, but I'm not, right. but it's not, that's not, like, I don't feel like that's what it's, like, uh, about. It yeah. just feels, yeah, it seems suspect when you just want something. Yeah. And I actually would agree with that statement now that I was, like, I do feel like it's excess energy. Like, when I sort of feel good and myself and then I'm like all right and now I want to go yeah have a experience with someone else so yeah um, I agree with that it is excess energy yeah. or it can be yeah <laughs> as someone who has taken a dating hiatus recently because I just don't have the energy <laughs> I have also had these thoughts lately where it feels like I need that level of energy to to in that place. I think we've talked about that in terms of mojo. Sometimes I feel like your mojo is really low. You're like, I'll just make a grilled cheese. Like... <laughs> but when there's more, then yeah, you have that life energy. And uh, yeah. yeah, it is active. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, I think uh, another point I just want to be clear about just in case anyone out there is taking issue with any of what we've just said. I also don't think that means that that's that desire is excess energy rather than lack is like the one true narrative about desire. But yeah. Just that we need part of what I really like about thinking about resisting the male gaze is that we just need like multiple narratives because 
people are complicated. Mm-hmm. We contain multitudes. <laughs> We do. So I think that's it for me. Do you have anything else that you? I think we touched on all the things on that. Yeah, the episode of Dick's Brick. That really (laughs) is a funny thing for me. (laughs) Absolutely. And I will say just that the dance in which Toby breaks the brick is also I find very like funny in a way that I can't put my finger on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it does seem like exactly something she would do. And it's sort of like that same, how I just love all the fellows. Like, I feel like they're really realistic and interesting, but just absolutely hilarious. Like, it really does seem like a com- a, the, an exquisitely put together comedy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would agree. Yeah. It's a bit ridiculous for dance. Yeah. yeah. But also authentic. So, yeah, it's it's absolutely It just seemed like believable. that's what Toby would do. <laughs> like, in terms of, yeah, like, like, like vaguely, like, some kind of tribal dance maneuvers that were maybe <laughs> tiny bit, like insulting to do and then and then like some booby shaking and crotch opening so yeah i really i love toby like i've i love her (laughs) and yeah and i'm so fascinated and then we know more about her story and we'll yeah future episodes too so Um, yeah i think that's that sums up that episode all right well thank you for listening to another episode of she's She's gotta have have it it, exclamation exclamation mark mark. we did remember our sign off (laughs) now that we've We've said said it it, we gotta gotta get it get it no go (laughs) you always say go (laughs) amazing one more time now that we've we've said said it it, we've gotta gotta get it it. thank you and good night (laughs)